0: Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a
1: program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So, what's religion outside the box? Welcome to episode number 128. Today, I'm talking with Rabbi Brian. He's a spiritual director, author, and leader of the online congregation which is called Religion Outside the Box. He has a very open-minded approach that accepts all types of religions and all types of people. So sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful and
2: valuable
1: recording let's begin
2: Rabbi welcome to the podcast well thank you doctor glad glad to be here
1: so what's the God of your understanding
2: I like the phrase the God of your understanding as opposed to just using the word God because uh, I found much uh, just with language people have a lot of baggage Yeah, Uh, you hear the word "religious" and it connotates a certain thing. You hear the word uh, "someone love." You hear the phrase "someone loves the Bible." It conjures a certain thing, and I I think uh, our baggage gets us. It it keeps us from from seeing what's actually in front of us. So I I found from twelve step programs they use the phrase often, "the God of your understanding," and Mm -hmm. I adopted that. The other piece of it is that. There's nobody who knows so I Like to put that back on people that this is God. Howsoever that word makes sense or doesn't to you So that's answer one.
0: Yeah,
2: and I'll go with answer two. answer to um, I think the the words are red herring. I, I don't like to answer the question Here's a here's a phrase. I, I'm partial to to the question do you believe in God? Frankly, I don't care about your answer. But to the answer that the last five people with whom you interacted have as to how kind you were, that I care a great deal.
1: Mm. It's it's almost a, kind of a Buddhist approach in a way. Like, uh, I
2: had a Buddhist teacher who said, uh, he said, different religions, same shit, different shovel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is correct, pretty much. It, it's it's all intertwined with different traditions. And uh,
2: If you do it right, we're all talking about the same thing. We might be using slightly different languaging, but we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about inner peace. We're talking about how do we feel as conscious beings uh safe and okay in this world of uncertainty J- language aside
1: yeah you know gotama the buddha didn't use god in his teachings he kept it he kept it out completely yeah. whereas someone like jesus
2: got it up yeah yeah and and jesus had a really chummy you know, Abba, like Daddy, yeah. like that. That's a real, that's a sweet spot. It's a, it, but they're they're talking the same thing.
1: That's right. So I, I really, I like I like this perspective. I like this answer because, yes, yeah, some people don't even want to use the word God. Some people you say
2: universe, fine. Yeah. There was a quote from Lao Tzu who said, There was something serene and formless before the universe was born. For lack of a better word, I call it the Tao. The Tao. And I could say the same thing. There was something serene and infinite before the universe was born. And for lack of other words, I call it God. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just words.
1: There's something there, though.
2: Yeah. Well, it sure does seem that way.
1: Yeah. This is a good transition to religion outside of the box. This is your yeah. teaching. This is your community. This is what you're doing. and it's it's rare of a rabbi, I would say.
2: Well, it hasn't happened for a few thousand years, no? <laughs> so <laughs> my my premise is uh, that organized religion it, it it works for a lot of people. I don't want to take it away from the people for whom it works, but it tends to uh, accentuate the path more than the goal. And I wanted to figure out how do I promote the points of religion, holiness, connection, acceptance, transformation, uh, transcendence. How do I get to all those things without the particularism without the, you have to learn the Hebrew parts. And so I started this thing called religion outside the box.
1: If my understanding is correct, you trained as rabbi and then you left and then yeah, you, came, so and you came
2: back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think you could see the same thing. You have had your, your own journey is that yeah. when you make the decisions going this way, they all, like you thought you did them for these reasons, but when you're looking at them from the other side, it's like, oh, that's why I did that. So I I was ordained as a rabbi, went five years postgraduate, got my degree, yay. Uh, Worked as a regular congregational rabbi, but I didn't, my soul wanted, my soul, um, it was was depleting. And, And I've heard you talk about how work can really get draining and it was draining for me and i had to leave and i so i i i didn't have to leave i i chose to leave i couldn't do a soulful job if i saw my soul was getting sucked dry so i left and i became a high school math teacher right i did that for seven years and i learned much more about being a rabbi uh, about teaching Mm-hmm. Uh, by being a high school math teacher than I ever learned in rabbinical school,
0: yeah
2: you know I had I had my parishioners with me for an hour a day. What clergy person gets that? Yeah, I just had this really cool re- realization this past week a, a pastor friend sent me the sermon that he had given on Sunday, and it was brilliant. It was great. but oh, in my Saturday service this past week. Uh, what I had planned to do and I broke people into small groups and gave them an exercise to do to and it 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 didn't work (laughs) really it, it snapped in a lot of places it just didn't work but what I realized and I got this from teaching is that when you teach unless you're a professor and you're haughty at a college level and you're just lecturing when you teach, you want to get feedback. You want to do uh, assessments of seeing what do the people get? What, do they, what are your students grasping? What, are they not, what parts aren't they understanding without just assuming? And I thought about my friend's sermon, and I thought, he doesn't get the feedback that I get. Mm. I run a live mm. service where people afterwards said, no, that's, that exercise didn't work. Mm. And I get to hear that. And I can retool and redo live, and I'm. I'm. This was just this week. I realized how how important that is. It's so cool. And so this online
1: community, it's not all. It's not all Jewish people, is it?
2: Not that I know of. I don't ask. Okay. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's not because I got some ministers in there, and I don't think they would qualify i don't believe that religion should be um making teams Uh, i i i don't see how that i it's effective we're in us yeah but if the whole if my point is we all are in us then how am i putting up walls and saying you're out you're in you're in i can't do that So my congregation is, it's open. It's really open.
1: I would imagine some people might get thrown off because you have the title of rabbi.
2: Yeah. Um, What what do you mean by thrown off? Like they're expecting, they're expecting me to be doing things in Hebrew and I'm not.
1: Not only that, but if, uh, say a Catholic wanted to join your congregation, they might go, oh, he's a rabbi. (laughs)
2: Well, I, I, it's funny you should say that. Um, I have found that Christians have a very easy time joining mm. because they know that I'm not proselytizing. They know I'm not trying to sell them on... I'm not trying to sell them on a... And Catholics, by and large, um, get pretty regimented uh, in, their, in their doctrine. Um, and they do get thrown off by how open and questioning I am. That part throws them off, but um, that I have a title rabbi. No, no. It's It's, um, it's delightful to me how much non-Jews respect clergy people. <laughs> Jews are a lot uh, They Jews we give respect by by challenging authority and and uh i like the catholics in the group cuz they always treat me like i have some they give me a little extra reverence
1: right right well that's cool that it's it's so mixed cuz that's really yeah. what it's all about and the name highlights that religion outside the box
2: religion outside the box yeah i had a thing i wanted to talk with you doc if if sure. uh, because you had talked about on your podcast that you, you your it was early in them, but you talked about that mystical experience you had
1: there's a few <laughs> actually
2: uh, No, it was it was when you realized that everything had to change mm. and i i i done looked up um that I don't know if you know there's a science of mystical experiences there are seven things that makes qualify it as a mystical experience and I wanted to share that with you if you if you yeah. wanted to hear him. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, Timothy Leary and Richard Albert, you know them. Ram they were Yeah, Ram Das. They were studying mystical experiences at Harvard. They were in the religion department and they were studying and they were looking at these seven things throughout. They looked at different mystical experiences people purported to have had and they broke them down into seven categories of what happens to a person when they have a mystical experience and then somebody said hey you know you get all seven of those from LSD and um, they, they kind of took a detour away from the academics at, yeah. after that point yeah but yeah. They, they said these seven things made a mystical experience made an experience into a mystical experience and here are the seven mystical experiences are ineffable meaning you can't really put good language around it yeah they're noetic, which is a fancy word that means you you know it, but you don't know why you know it. Yeah. It's like when mm-hmm. you just like something because you like it, but you have no explanation as to why mystical experiences are things that happen, but you can't really explain it. Right. Uh, they're transient. Mystical experiences don't last your whole life. They're uh, sometimes a flash in the pan. Sometimes they last longer, but they're mm-hmm. they're always transient. They're passive. Uh, They're not things that people seek out as so much as they happen to the person. They're unifying, that uh, mystical experiences give us a sense of connectedness to everything as opposed to feeling apart from everything. They're timeless, that while one's having a mystical experiences, and a lot of drugs will do this to you too, that uh, they're timeless, that time goes in a different kind of time warpy kind of way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then the last one is what really separates a mystical experience from a drug, drug trip, which is that they're lasting in terms of positive change. That the person who has had that experience, their life will never be the same in the positive.
1: Right. Yeah. It's motivational to keep seeking, searching, digging, <laughs> yeah. can also become attached to it.
2: Uh, <laughs> you can be attached to, to seeking. Is that what you're saying? Oh,
1: yeah. September 12th, which was, oh my gosh, what, seven weeks ago? Uh-huh. I had one. Oh, good. It wasn't very mystical. It was, I just got thrown into the present moment for six or seven hours. Wow. It was awesome.
2: Was, awesome. <laughs> was it a little scary or not because
1: no every every single thought that came up got wiped away like a windshield wiper on the car it was like voo uh-huh. voop like no thought lasted more than five seconds it was like voop voop and uh, and i remember going for a walk of course i remember it wasn't long ago i went for a walk and i'm looking at the trees and everything's brand new yeah and I went to bed like that, and I woke up and it was gone. And I actually got triggered. My mom triggered me, bless her heart. Yeah. And I got all mad, and just I couldn't do anything else but cry because I'm like, it's gone. Where is it? Ah. And uh, I guess that's what satori is. It's it's just a glimpse, and it goes yeah. away, and it it yeah. can be sad if you're attached to it. And I was attached to it.
2: Yeah. 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 I had, I had a moment once where my whole visual field went wackadoodle and like, and it was a thing and it scared me, scared me bad. And then all I wanted afterwards when it, when it went away was, oh it was like, I want to do that again. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I want to yeah. do that again. Yeah. How do I do that again? Yeah. It's like
1: the ride. You really like at Six Flags or something. You're like, I want to do it. So when you say wackadoodle, yeah, you talking lights? You talking, uh, you know, the illumination? The best I could
2: explain what happened was I had a moment where it was in the movie Vertigo, I think it was where Hitchcock did it, where he pulled the camera back while zooming in. Mm. That's kind of what it all looked like and felt like. Like the visual field just went kind of weird on me. For how long? I don't. It was minutes, not hours. But I don't know how many minutes because it was a it was a thing. Yeah. And I had unfortunately not taken any drugs at the time because that would have explained it in a much easier way.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't do any drugs either. So, yeah, for me, I. The first one I had was in 2011. I wasn't even a seeker. I was just frustrated off of something, you know, a dark place type thing. And same thing. It just got real present. And the problem that was going on in my life, which was pretty significant, actually, it went away. I mean, it was there, but I became indifferent. I didn't care anymore. And then that's what started my seeking. I ended up at an ashram, you know, six months later, <laughs> like, what is this ashram stuff? What is this? You 10 years Would later. you have
2: always put yourself in the uh, granola crunchy category before that?
1: No. No. No, I was in show business. I was trying to become famous.
2: Yeah. Good luck.
1: <laughs> I was on radio. I was on TV. I was, you
2: know. Well, people can't. Um, I I hadn't seen you until we're talking. You're a good-looking man. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: I I wasn't back then, really. I was a lot bigger. Ironic. That's weird. You'd think. (laughs) (laughs) should be on TV now, not then. Yeah, man. (laughs) Now that you don't want it, boom. Yeah, you know, life's funny like that. I've had other mystical experiences where... There's more lights and stuff like that, or you feel a presence. It's just mm-hmm. unexplainable stuff. Yeah. But that's it. but nothing that has happened a lot. Just yeah, I could I could name them on one hand. You know, one of my teachers, um, he's he's awakened, and he said the year before he awoke, he had a thousand satori's in a year. Hmm. He just that's kept, three a day. That's he just impressive. kept he just kept flip flopping for a whole year, huh. and then one day he woke up and it was permanent. All right. <laughs> like this sounds like a roller coaster ride. I don't know. I don't know if I want to get on here.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, you think you have a choice? That's cute. He,
1: see, see, now that's that's the powerful understanding right there. Yeah man. What is happening to us on this journey? You know, this is where the God comes in, right? This is this is this is the God yeah. trust. You know, you just have to trust it,
2: right? Yeah. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to, but there's a great quote. Hold on, I gotta I it's on my shelf here. Yep. Yeah. Here it is. I gotta find the guy's name. His name's Tefor Abu Yaziz Al Bistami it's a hell of a name and he said this he said for years i would say do this and give me that when i reached the shores of wisdom i said god be mine and do what you want
1: that's it it's a surrender right
2: yeah americans we suck at that idea of surrender like yeah. real we suck hard at that yeah the yeah. idea that and and I find I don't like to use the word surrender. I don't need because it. people have too too much baggage. But Not I can get by too. with yeah, you know, surrender, Dorothy. Like you you don't want to do that. But the idea of acceptance, people can get behind. So there's a lot of you gotta you gotta language it so people uh, will be willing to hear it.
1: Yeah, I like the term okayness.
2: Okayness. All right. I like that. Just
1: make everything okay. You can't sleep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is tonight.
2: Do you know um, this quote from Byron Katie? She said, You can argue with the universe. And that's okay. But you'll lose only 100% of the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> only, only 100%.
2: Only 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I had a mentor who said that about you can't sleep. And I know you. I've heard you talk about not being able to
0: uh, yeah.
2: have rest. My mentor said when he wakes up in the middle of the night, he says, okay, spirits, what do you need me to know? Mm. And it's just a great reframing of it, of like, oh, apparently the universe wants me up at 315 in the morning. Yeah. What do you all want? I'm here. I'm listening. I've been yeah, I've been there.
1: You know, get on the knees sometimes and just what's up? What you need? Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> you need me to get something at 7 Eleven. What do you want? <laughs> uh yeah, I had trouble sleeping last night. No particular reason. I woke up at two in the morning. Yeah. No idea it's two in the morning because I keep my phone in the office. Came in to look at the phone. Ah, it's two in the morning. So I listened to the Diamond Sutra.
2: (laughs) Oh, good stuff. I
1: I was like, maybe I'll fall asleep listening to the Diamond. Nope.
2: No? Nope. Sorry.
1: Didn't happen. Uh, But I listened to the Diamond Sutra.
2: I I think you get extra points for that
1: just learning to accept, be okay with whatever happens, including yeah, uh, being contracted by, you know, mom, dad, best friend, who, whoever, like, cause you're always gonna be under fire sometimes.
2: Yeah. You know, Krishnamurti?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he had, he was giving a lecture and there are different accounts to what he said cause he went off script, which was not a thing he did. And he was, and he, this is how I heard the story. And I've looked at, and there are different versions of the same story that he said, Do you want to know my secret? And everyone was like, What? He's going to tell us finally? What? All right. And he leans in, he says, I'll tell you my secret. And everyone's silent. And he says, I'm okay with what happens. There it is. That fits your okayness, I'm okay with what happens. And the more we can get ourselves to, Oh, someone just yelled at me. All right. That's interesting. I got a tool and this is the thing that totally didn't work at my service. So I have a tool that I teach people when I do spiritual direction with them and I take a tissue and I blow my nose into it and I've done it on zoom. I just pretend on zoom and I hold the tissue up to the camera and I say, would you like this tissue? (laughs) And if I did that, doc, and I give you a snot filled tissue and I say, would you like this? You would say? Probably not. (laughs) You keep (laughs) it. Yeah, you you just laugh. You'd be like, probably not. You keep it. And then my question is, can you practice that dirty tissue response with when someone says, you're ugly. You're a dumbass. I hate you. Can you also say, yeah, no, probably not. No, thank you. You keep that. And I, I tried that exercise on Saturday. I tried having everyone practice it. I put them in Zoom groups in small rooms, in small groups. And I said, all right, I need you to insult each other. Whoever's highest in the alphabet, you turn to the person who's second highest in the alphabet and you say something mean to them. And um, they didn't want to do that. Uh, They said, I don't want to hurt someone's. Like, if if someone hurts my feelings, that's fine. But I don't want to hurt someone's feelings intentionally. And I was like, all right. So I got my feedback. They didn't want to do that. So we'll work on that again this week.
1: Yeah, you got to take risks, though, Uh, as uh, also a public speaker. I mean, I've had moments where I'm on stage with a microphone and something comes through my field yeah. and I I try it live on the spot and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Right.
2: And when it doesn't work, and this is exactly what you're saying, is when it doesn't work, you go, all right, guess that didn't work. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's not that's not the way I planned it. And I will say to the group, I have a meeting with a group of them today. And I'll say, well, sure didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go. Yeah. But the, the, that's a muscle as far as I can tell. That's a muscle that we can all get. Like everyone knows you should be able to bench press this much weight. Everyone can work out the muscle of acceptance. It's yeah. just a muscle. Yeah. I don't have magic powers. You don't yeah. have magic powers. Can I bench press as much as the someone else? No. But I'm pretty darn spiritually fit and I can I can accept a lot of shit.
1: Yeah. It it's just a great point you're making, because it's you know, it's, it's 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 inner work is what it is. Call it spiritual or not, whatever. It's inner work and We have the opportunity every single day, unless you live in a cave. Yeah. Even someone in a cave, I don't know, a bat flies in or something. That's what I
2: was just thinking. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do when the bat takes a shit on you? It's like, okay, looks like I won't use this part of the cave anymore. Okay, fine. It's about acceptance, radical acceptance of what is. Why do you think people don't do that so well? What do you think?
1: Oh the standard answer would be ego. I
2: think. Yeah, cuz my my I'm going to put my imprint and my myself on the world. Yeah. How about a non you got a non-standard answer?
1: Programming. Yeah. Pro, program to resist, program to defend, yeah. defend.
2: I have a buddy who um he's a, a electrical engineer. He said I think we all need a firmware update. Like we're too programmed in this way to react. Yeah. Yeah. It really comes down to programming and so. And and desire, like Dr. Phil, who he used to say, and how's that working for you? Like, do you want to be the angriest person you know? Yeah. Jim, can you commit yourself to being the kindest person of your friend group? And there's nothing that's stopping you from doing that. Yeah. Well, I think, and probably the easiest thing would be just hang out with assholes. And then you can easily become the kindest person. But no, everyone has the ability to be kinder. Totally.
1: Well, the More interesting accepted. thing about, yeah, you know, I, I want to connect programming and acceptance here. There's an acceptance to the programming, too, because. Amen. If, you know, your best friend gets on your nerves, it's best to have the understanding that, well, he's just running off of his programming.
2: Yeah, yeah. And can you do that with the person who's not your best friend too? Mm -hmm. There's a quote, um, uh, Oscar Wilde, I think, I could be wrong on it. Oscar Wilde said, if you dislike someone, the way they hold their spoon will offend you. But if you like them, they could drop a plate of food in your lap and you wouldn't mind. Yeah. You can, if you know you can forgive your best friend, and you would, can you forgive the asshole? And here's another one. Can you forgive yourself? I find people have a real hard time with people kick their own ass real hard. Yeah, a little more than necessary. Yeah, sure. I've done it.
1: Certainly. Oh, so. me
2: too. Me too.
1: Uh, if you're a competitive person, then that's going to happen, unless you drop it somehow.
2: <laughs> and that's where the idea of the somehow is either by sheer will of for, uh, of self or. Perhaps I'd have to use the word grace, but that one's a, that's a loaded word too.
1: Grace is a loaded word. Yeah. You mentioned Byron Katie. Yeah. She laid down quite a body of work, no pun intended, because it's called the work. Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of people use that still to this day as a method of Challenging your thoughts. It's almost like a self-inquiry. hmm Is that something that you promote
2: or? Her stuff? I i use anyone who I, I'm not. Uh, truth is a pathless land. That's also a Krishnamurti quote. Um I'll use some, some of her stuff. Marshall Rosenberg's, uh, nonviolent communication i've been really into that recently um, whatever works uh, you know buddhist paths are great i got some jewish things i, I like but there's no i, I don't I, I don't think there's a path i don't think there's a one there's a and i, I don't want to I, I don't promote a particular a particular particularism Brené Brown's got some killer I- ideas of vulnerability and mm. and setting boundaries like there's good stuff out there.
1: For the last 6 months I've been practicing ho'oponopono. Oh, that's
2: anything? the that's the Ho- Hawaiian forgiveness. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people have good results with that.
1: Yes, and it's very simple. Very simple.
2: I got a real simple one. Ready for a challenging one? Listener, are you ready for this one? This is from Bill Bowen, who's a minister who I've never met. Mm-hmm. And he came up with something called the 21-day no complaint challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's the practice and you don't yeah. have to know much more than that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's can you go? And the answer is yes you can. Uh, but the, uh, so the follow-up is, will you go 21 days without complaining?
1: Yeah.
2: And and I, I define a complaint as the words that come out of your mouth, not the thoughts in your head. You can be upset as you want in your head, but it's, if it comes out and then there's always, well, is this a complaint or is that just an observation? And I'll, I'll empower people to figure it out for themselves. Yeah, it took too. me four and a half months to go 21 days without a complaint. (laughs) So habitualized to yes.
1: It's programming. It's all all programming. We're we're, we're walking around with a computer.
2: Yeah. And to gamify it is what I recommend. So whoever you, you who's listening right now. Yeah. You, 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 that person. Yeah. You find a buddy and say, we're doing the no complaint challenge. And whenever I complain, your your 21 days is also moved down to zero. Because I found people, it's the same thing as they would rather be insulted than insult someone else. That they people are horribly uh, uncomfortable with resetting someone else's 21 day complaint clock. Yeah. So uh, I gamify it in that way. So have. Do it for someone else and see if you guys can't go 21 days straight without complaining. It's revolutionary. Changed my life. One of the best practices I've ever done. And you don't have to learn any Hawaiian words.
1: (laughs) So after the 21 days, has the complaining been pushed right out?
2: It changed my life. Changed my life.
1: It reminds me of... um, Dr. Emmett Fox, who oh yeah. Had the seven-day mental diet.
2: I got him here. Oh, I got a book of his called Sermon on the Mount. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So He's great. He's great. Tell me
2: about days. the seven-day thing, because I don't know that one.
1: A seven-day mental diet is to go seven days with no negativity. Yeah. So it's, it's even more than complaining. It's it's a it's it's everything. So he says um as soon as a thought comes up you got you know five or six seconds to switch it to to, he recommends god switch it to god switch it to Mm. the thought of god to the love of god and keep Mm. doing it he says just do it for seven days that's it i love it and it pushes it out of your consciousness
2: yeah yeah Well, I'm going to make everyone make, I can't make anyone do anything, but I'm going to highly suggest that my service on Saturday, I'm going to bring because November, it's just uh, here uh, is gratitude month.
0: Mm.
2: Gratitude is made up of how thankful you are. It's math. It's how many times you are consciously thankful minus the number of times you complain and that's how that's your gratitude practice your gratitude practice is number of thankful moments minus number of complaints that's your gratitude practice same way your budget whether you have a budget or not is the amount you take in minus the amount you spend so are i'm going to challenge us all let's do november no complaint november
1: i like it i like it. good
2: luck to all of us Oh, and whoever's listening, thank you for agreeing to do it because I know you just have and you, you pushed pause and you called your friend and thank yeah. you for doing that in advance. That's right. How do we deal with doubt? I'm fine with how doubt. How do you deal with doubt? <laughs> Voltaire, he said, I'm all with quotes today. Voltaire said, uh, doubt is uncomfortable, but certainty is ridiculous. Mm. You gotta accept out, yeah. of course. That's just we we don't know the future,
0: right.
2: and and um, Alan Watts, he was a rascal, yeah. And he said, uh, if we knew everything that was going to happen, we would be as bored as we get with a blow up doll having sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's what makes it exciting is you don't know what's going to happen
1: what do we need to be vulnerable
2: well that's a good question I think what you and I have already talked about would be a a, I'd say a start is having a strong foundation of acceptance not having a a practice of not kicking your own ass Mm -hmm. Of really developing not to be a crazy egomaniac but to just stop being a dick to yourself and then you can go out like you said and go on stage and say something and realize oh that didn't work that's vulnerable what do you think what do we need to do to be vulnerable
1: i think we ought to allow ourselves to cry yeah, I think men are programmed not to cry. Oh, society
2: does fuck men up bad. Yeah. And cuts us off from emotion. That's right. In in a tragic way. It's, it's just, it's it's a shanda. It was a Yiddish word for it. Like, it's, it's just too, it's too bad. Yeah, I think also to be vulnerable, you have to have a willingness. You have to be willing. You have to be willing to not be perfect. You have to be... And and you have... Yeah. You have to be willing to not do it right.
1: Yeah, the word transparent just crossed my mind.
2: Mm -hmm. To just, Mm -hmm.
1: just, just be an open book and just not care what people think.
2: That's a... Brene Brown says strong back, open front. Mm. So you got to have both of them. You can't just be vulnerable all the time. Yeah. And wild spirit. I think
1: caring uh, what people think is is a big attachment. Respectability, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, but on the other hand, if I didn't shower and dress right, (laughs) right? It's harder for anyone to hear my messages.
1: Sure, And so, that's why that's why I use the term doctor. That's why I just be Kevin.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm Rabbi Brian for the same reasons.
1: You know, you go to school, you get the title, use it because it's good for. Business. I had
2: some colleagues who said to me, uh, "Brian, you got to stop using the title. You're not doing Jewish enough stuff anymore." Right. And I told them, uh, "I'll stop when you stop." Like, I earned the same degree you did. I don't yeah. know what yeah. you think you're doing.
1: I've been told the same thing, you know, because it's a PhD and not a medical. You know, and people that are attached to the medical thing, they don't like that.
2: Well, what do they call their dentist? Right.
1: And I was like, hey, Einstein was a doctor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he just was famous enough. He didn't need to use the term doctor. Yeah.
2: Well, he had good hair, too.
1: <laughs> so, Do you think the Torah is a history book?
2: What are my other options?
1: Is it a history book or are there, are they some mystical parables?
2: It has within it. You can, you can use it as a historical document to see what did people at that time hope for, wish for how they saw the world. But it was, it's a, it's a, it's a human created document, it's it's not otherwise. And I think it's got the best PR of anything that people assume, like the begin, the first words aren't here are the words of God. Like that's not, it's not even in the text. It doesn't even claim for itself to be God's except for the book of Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy says, these are the words of God, colon, open quote. But none of the rest of it says it's that. And then historically, here's some cool stuff. Book of Deuteronomy was the book of Mormon of its day. Hmm. Book of Deuteronomy was the lost found scroll. They, if you look in, in nobody does, but if you look in the book of Kings, you'll see that King Hosiah was cleaning out the temple and he discovered a lost scroll of God. And it was the book of Deuteronomy. And if you, can read the Hebrew which most people don't so you're gonna to have to trust me a little bit on this the book of Deuteronomy's language it's like you went from everything being Shakespearean to something all of a sudden mentioning Britney Spears like it's got this Babylonian influence you know it's got to be written much later book of Deuteronomy is is the only one who says it's the book of God uh, but it's not no 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 I don't I don't I don't buy that so it's not God's word, follow it. It doesn't even say it is. <laughs> Except for Deuteronomy, which is a later edition. Like, I, I find it, like, but it doesn't mean we should throw it away. Right? There's still, there's beautiful stuff in it. The end of the book of Deuteronomy has got one of my favorite passages. And it's got this beautiful irony to it. So book of Deuteronomy says that Moses went up to the top of Mount Sinai. And what did God say to Moses at the end of the book of Deuteronomy? That God said to Moses, tell the people that you don't have to go across the sea to find the true commandments. You don't have to climb a mountain to find God's word because God's word are in your heart and on your lips. And that's the punchline of the book of Deuteronomy is that It's saying it's not God's word. It's saying don't send someone to the top of the mountain as the book of Deuteronomy says it does. Because the true commandments of God are in your heart. Where else would they be, man? It doesn't make any sense. If you were God and you're going to put a treasure map somewhere. Like, where else would you put it? besides In the the DNA. Where else could it be? In the soul where else it like it could not be under a shipwreck in the middle of the Caribbean like that's <laughs> stupid so Noah's
1: is Noah's Ark out there and we're gonna find it at some point
2: oh I got other hobbies like, <laughs> like I'm not waiting on that that's not gonna happen no <laughs> so
1: that's what I mean what I'm saying is it a history book or no.
2: Are it's they... a history of how people saw the world. It's a history of how people, of how a certain people viewed the world. No, mo- the earliest thing we know archaeologically is King David, by the year 1000 BCE. It starts actually melding with what we consider to be history. Mm. Anything before that, they're nice stories. Well, some of them aren't actually even nice. They're stories.
1: Yeah, no, there's 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 a lot of depression in the in the Bible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, some her- horrible violence, but you know the the idea, a lot of it was revolutionary for its time. The idea of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, was ridiculously liberal at the time it came out, because before that it was you insult me, I wipe out your whole family. Mm. And we think of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth as barbaric at the time it came out it was the it was the liberal agenda Jesus
1: mystical messenger or yes. son of God
2: what's the difference? Jesus was a cool dude
1: <laughs> yeah, he was, I think so too,
2: yeah, I'm all good with Jesus. I've done a lot of my reading and my and that's a thing that I find a lot of Jews, um. Don't like they are Jewish because they're not Christian, and like they wouldn't read that. A lot of Jews, there's some Jesus was Jewish, but, but what is written about what Jesus says is brilliant stuff. I would, my best buddy is a is a minister, um, and he calls himself a cre, a pre Easter Christian.
0: Hmm.
2: He's like I'm fine with everything until the, the resurrection. resurrection part he said I believe and he goes further he says I believe in a resurrection not in a resuscitation hmm. like you can bring an idea back from the dead you can bring a person but you no Jesus didn't walk again that that part's that's that's not a thing.
1: Well couldn't it be translated as a
2: parable for
1: awakening? You're, sure. being, you're being reborn, your ego is dying and you're being reborn.
2: Yeah. And you know what I like about it? There's a part in the story, a guy named David Miller pointed this out to me, that at the time of Good Friday, when Jesus is dead, they don't know the punchline of Easter coming in three days. Mm. And as far as they know, everything that they know has died. Talk about dark night of the soul, right Mm. there. And I love that image. And then you get to be reborn out of that. That's Satori, right? There's that depth before it of just—it's the worst. And then comes hope, when you've all hope was gone, right? He's been dead three days. Hope is gone by that point. Hope is gone. And then it comes back.
1: And then it comes back. Yeah. Well said. So what about the the healings and the walking on water? Do you think that's just parables?
2: I think we're wasting our time if we're arguing about Noah's Ark being real, Jesus' miracles being real. That's It's it's the point of the story, not the detail. Not or the do details. we
1: need to, going back to however many minutes ago, or do we yeah. need to just accept the term, I don't know? Sure. I like that.
2: Those miracles didn't happen the way that they're written.
1: Right. Because what do we know? All we know is our five senses, really, kind of, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and we we make a lot of conjectures, don't we? Well,
1: the whole walk on water thing is significant from my viewpoint. I don't know if it's real, but... The meaning is significant in the sense oh, of
2: I, I, so. Yeah, yeah. Can I? May I interrupt? Sure. Yeah. This is there's this idea that there's a difference between true and truth.
0: Hmm.
2: True is did it happen? Truth is the moral of the story.
0: Hmm.
2: There's a Lincoln High School which has a, a, a image of Abraham Lincoln, you know, with a with a anvil breaking the chains off of slaves. Did that happen? No. But it's still, there's still truth in it. It doesn't have to be a true story to be a truth story.
1: Master Yoda kicked a lot of knowledge, you know, it was truth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of funny, though.
0: <laughs> right, G- and I think
2: that's a perfect one. Is like, we know that Yoda ain't real. Yeah. But it's still, he's real. And there's still truth in what he says.
1: Oh, yeah. No, uh, it's clearly yeah, taken from like Buddhism. It's, it's, and
2: I, I think that could be like the the summary of our conversation is that Jesus and Yoda are one and the same. I think that's, yeah, the message. I don't want anyone to take out of this conversation.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's significant that he walked on water during a storm.
2: Yeah, yeah, right.
1: And then he asked his disciple to do the same. Step in, step didn't out so and well. it didn't happen because he didn't have quote unquote faith.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um that that's gotten a lot of people into trouble. Is that if you only had enough faith your cancer would go away. If you only had enough faith, your husband wouldn't beat you. Like there like if you only had enough faith it goes to some really bad places really fast. Mm. Um and and it it winds up giving Victims of blame for what's happening to them,
0: mm.
2: and I don't mm. think that's cool.
1: Mm. Yeah, I see that.
2: Look, it's 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 all it's all got to be leading towards love,
0: yeah.
2: or it's not right. And if it's if it's excluding people, there's something suspect about it we're all in this together and God willing, the climate summits and the worldwide epidemics could help teach us that.
1: Yeah. But will they stay tuned? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's your theology workbook all about?
2: So I do spiritual direction with people. And that can be a little vulnerable to bring out your God beliefs in front of somebody else because mm-hmm. most adults have about a fourth grade understanding of religion which was fine when you were in the fourth grade but it hasn't they haven't gone much further um, maybe they've gone some and they think oh religions a... so the workbook I came up with and there's also a set of videos um, is it's like do-it-yourself spiritual direction and uh, I talk about spiritual, religious issues and God issues and help people to figure it, figure it out. For I'm not going to tell you what to believe, but I have some really cool exercises that can help you figure that stuff out.
1: Mm. People will, will make some discoveries while going through the workbook.
2: Yeah, I got some expertise around these woods and I can help you get through it, but I can't pick the path you're going to take.
1: So where can someone come find you, learn about your work, and possibly join Religion Outside yeah. the Box?
2: Well, if you haven't already Googled Rabbi Brian, that's a good thing you can do. Or go to <laughs> rotb.org, Religion Outside the Box, rotb.org, and uh, I'll show up there. And I hope to see you there. And I hope you tell me how well the twenty-one day no complaint challenge has affected you and your buddy's life.
1: Right on. Speaking of acceptance and complaining, we had an interview scheduled for about a month ago, yeah. and it didn't happen because uh, my roof guys showed up, and it was, way right. too, there was loud.
2: too much noise happening. Oh, it was just
1: boom, 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 boom for all day. Yeah. So I had to cancel on you like 20 minutes before.
2: Dude, if I'm going to get stressed out about that, I'm not worth listening to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I took it the same way. You know, there's nothing to get, you know, it is what it is. Life happens. Yeah,
2: that's cool. I'm glad we got to talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How do we choose who we are in the world? Just last question.
2: If it leads towards love, go that way. That's all I got. I don't know. I felt like that. felt felt deep. Let's lead towards love. That's it. Amen.
1: Rabbi Brian, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks, Doc.
0: Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with
1: Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with
0: you.